Hey, this is Brent Jensen, and you're listening to No Sleep Till Subray, the show where we talk about the music that makes your skin vibrate. Folks, this is the fifth and final edition of No Sleep Till Subray special Steam Whistle series. We are still here. We haven't been kicked out yet. Live on location at the Roundhouse facility in the heart of Toronto. I want to thank all of my friends here. I see one looking over at me right now. Sam is here. She is fantastic. She has been great to me the entire time. And my last guest is Stephen Stanley. I'm so happy to have you here. Last and possibly least. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I haven't seen you since, uh, since what, March? Yeah, Not, beginning of March. We uh, spent a weekend in northern Ontario together when, uh, when the walls came crumbling down. We, um, Brent was, came on a little mini tour with us where we went to, uh, played in Huntsville, we played in Bracebridge, and we played in Gravenhurst. And then the next day was lockdown day and everything mm. ended so we snuck some gigs under the wire that were uh quite good and yeah it's hard to believe that was march like that I was know. march 7th i think was the last time i saw you so that's right it seems like two years ago at least like it's so long ago you it know? does seem like two years ago yeah. in the same breath it seems like it was yesterday like this has been there's like a weird comp- like a week right now to me is a few hours like yeah. it just feels like everything is compressed even though you would think it would drag on in these situations, but yeah, I don't know. It's a very, it's a very, very strange time for sure. It definitely is. Yeah, um, we have a lot to talk about. I know this is going to be three hours. But I, I was so <laughs> it is actually it's going to be a three-hour show. Get ready, folks. I'm so stupid. I was thinking about something on my way here. Wouldn't it be funny if your middle name was Tyler because you you prefer Stephen instead of Steve? So I could say my last guest is Stephen Tyler. Stanley, <laughs> and I like the marquee, and then it just got really stupid. Like on the marquee, you could put Steven Tyler, and then on the side, like Stanley. Well, you reminded me when uh, when we were touring in Ireland, we were in just outside of Belfast two years ago, and we were about to go on, and a woman went up on stage. She was like a radio host hosting the show, and she said, "Our our next act is from uh, Toronto, Canada. Please welcome Steve and Stan Lee." <laughs> so she thought she thought Chris's name was Stan Lee. No way. <laughs> How the hell did that happen? I kind of like that. We, I mean, I think funny. I laughed about it for three. I was still laughing three songs into the set. Steve and Stan, Stan Lee. Lee. Marvel creator Stan Lee <laughs> is now a musician. He's playing with this guy, Steve. How weird is that? How did that happen? I don't know. You miss you misread. Uh, That's just so Well, bizarre. I mean, I've seen uh, another even better one for Julian Taylor. Um, I think it's in uh, Peterborough or Sudbury. It was a billboard outside the venue said tonight, Julie and Taylor. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Like he put <laughs> that up. Yeah. People make mistakes. <laughs> if they're funny, all the better. <laughs> See, that would be a good pseudonym. If you didn't want the uh, media attention, you just play like a surprise gig. It's Julie and Taylor. Julie and Taylor. <laughs> it makes it feel a little more sort of down home, right? That Julie True. and Taylor. Like, do some country songs. All right. So your radio show. Yes. You've got a new radio show coming up. It premieres, I believe, December, the first week of December. December 7th will be the first show on uh, Hunter's Bay Radio and out of Huntsville, out of Huntsville, Bracebridge, and uh, Gravenhurst, anywhere in Muskoka, I guess. They're, they're uh, just in the process of opening a new studio in Bracebridge as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's going to be a weekly show. I'm kind of in the throes of defining what that show is going to be um but i'm really looking forward to it it's going to be a lot of fun 
So you're thinking possibly about doing interviews. I think I will. I think I, I think I'm going to try to bring somebody in every week and then, you know, have a sort of a featured section in the show where we can highlight a Canadian musician and play a couple songs and, and talk a little bit about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that'd be fun for, for me to, you know, sort of have a bit of variety rather than just uh, talk song, talk song, talk song. So, yeah. So you're going to be playing Stephen Stanley stuff like all the time. <laughs> Basically, it's going to be like, you know, of the of the 45 minutes of radio, 40 minutes will be my songs. And no, I'm definitely not going to go. I don't know. I just can't. I'm not going to go that route. I, I, I have no problem talking about putting uh, music in the context of my career, but mm. I can't be one of those guys that just plays his own stuff on the radio. There's, I mean, which is which I mean, more power to the folks that do, but it just seems you know, I'm only, I'm not, first of all, I'm not, I'm for four hours. It's a short, it's a short show. It's an mm. hour long. So I got lots of avenues to promote myself. And that's just mm. one where I'm trying to do something different and kind of shine a light on hopefully a lot of newer Canadian acts and, um, mm-hmm. and be a part of a scene that I really like that sort of their, what they're doing in Northern Ontario and in Muskoka, um, both from on, on the air and then sort of in the area when they do what they do with live stuff is I really want to be a part of. So I'm happy to, be joining on. See, I like what you said about the indie ethos there. And, you know, we were talking earlier and even yesterday about Steam Whistle and how that is their same mm-hmm. um, idea, right? About shining the light on the indie folks yeah. and bringing them up. Which it's is- getting harder and harder, right? I mean, so like, I mean, if you've paid attention during the pandemic of what's being released on a weekly basis, like, I cannot believe how much new music is coming out right mm-hmm. now. And, which is great. And in a lot of ways, it makes sense. It's easier to record. It's easier to sort of push things through the system. And there's there's no touring going on. So it makes a lot of sense that a lot of artists are kind of hunkering down in their home studios and making records. To me, the other side of that equation is the shelf life for any given project is a lot shorter, especially yeah. when you know, you're know you up against Matt Berenger from The National or whoever, The Flaming Lips or you name it, Bruce Springsteen has a new album out this week. The sort of the pros and cons of uh, something like Spotify, from my point of view, is you have an easy avenue to hear all that stuff at once. Right. But I also think you've got a week and it it's no longer on the radar. So That's a good point. It's, it's quite something. So, you know, I just, I mean, you know, this is going to be a, a small piece of the puzzle, but just giving artists that don't have that big machine behind them a chance to say a couple words about what they're doing yeah. is good with me. I love it. I think that's great. I yeah. look forward to hearing it. Um, you have also, I, something I'm very excited about, you have a new record coming out soon. Well, let's not say eventually. soon, but uh, yeah, like that's kind of an eventually right now. I mean, I'm getting more and more antsy. We're like, we're ready to record it. It's like mm. completely written in my head. It's completely arranged. Um, so to get into a studio and do it, I've just been kind of waiting to see how this all shakes down. You know, we, we've worked, made the last one on Wolf Island, which I'd love to do again. And that's what I'm hoping is going to happen. Part of the problem is it's a fairly small studio. So to get a band in there and then the people that would need to be there to work on the record from a production point of view may not be the safest place. Wolf Island's a little bit of a bubble onto itself. So I don't think they want a bunch of guys from Toronto showing up there. So, yeah. um, I guess we'll see what happens in the next few months that all that being said because you know i do have time on my hands i could be starting in two days for all i know yeah <laughs> yeah just... well i said soon because i'm actually really excited about mm-hmm. it yeah thank you as am i um and i feel like it's overdue now and 
um, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where everything was so completely ready to go before going in the studio. Like, I mean, I'm kind of thinking about what might happen after this album now already, and I haven't even mm. started working on this one. So, having said that, however, I like that you put the live record out. Mm, I think yeah. that was a, that was well timed, and and um, you know, it was a nice fresh spin on the Jimmy and the Moon stuff. It was definitely a product of the pandemic. We recorded that in uh, Germany like pretty much two years ago now. And I knew at some point I was going to put it out somehow, but I just figured I'd just put it up on our website as a download for people that wanted to hear it. But then when the pandemic came along, I had the time to sort of sit and think and um, realized that I had a pretty good, albeit two-track, but a pretty good recording of the show so I could get it mastered. And mm-hmm. yeah, it worked out nicely. And I think it's, it's pretty niche and... Uh, to me, it exists in a space where if somebody's like checking out Apple Music or Spotify, they'll find that and see it something else there. And the way the part of it, you get you see all your analytics for those for those uh, programs, and that seems to be exactly what's happening. People are showing up to hear Jimmy and the Moon, or yeah. I also uh, put up uh, two older albums this summer as well. So mm-hmm. and they find that there's a live album to listen to as well. So they pop on and listen to a couple songs, and yeah, it's good. I mean, it, it got some radio play on. Uh, Hunter's Bay and then The Rock 94.9. So that's, right. that's, uh, that's a surprise and a bonus. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. No, we'll look forward to more of that for sure. Before we get into your tunes, mm-hmm. I believe this is appearance number five for you. That's and right. Longtime listeners will know that uh, you and I have a bit of a running joke about me. And I think this was like episode three promising you a jacket. <laughs> and. It, I, I don't want to spoil the surprise, but it looks like now the ja- because of the pandemic, the jacket's been moved to ten episodes. That's right. So we're gonna we're gonna push that forward. <laughs> Maybe I'll negotiate it for eight episodes. <laughs> so it's like a carrot in the stick, right? So you just have to like yeah, it's like it keeps moving. It's called moving the goalposts. That's right. <laughs> the least I could do is bring a t-shirt in for you today. And the t-shirt is is uh, beautiful. Now, is this available to the general public, or is this a... it, it, it will be? Yes. Nice. Yeah. So you've got the first one, as a matter That's of fact. That's the first one? Some of the first ones. Wow. Sam got one. Oh, I'm number yep. two. Sam Natalin got one. Lisa <laughs> Telfer got one. The Steam Whistle folks got some, but oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm, I'm uh, thrilled. I'm uh, you know, a huge proponent of black T-shirts, as you know. So <laughs> this will uh, go into the wardrobe and the rotation regularly, for sure. Perfect. Yeah. Well, it's a good uh, halfway point, right? So we're at five. You get the T-shirt. Ten, you get the jacket. Fifty, you get a car. And then uh, maybe a house at, uh, at number 100. <laughs> a car. If I'm the MVP of a season. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right. So you have got some songs here that are fantastic. And um, I know that there is a great story behind all five of these. So let's get into that. Yeah. And I want to, uh, because, because we've done this five times, I think the first time, uh, if you go back to episode one that I did with you, yeah. I really looked at it from the point of view of, a lifetime of music and here's the songs that have you know cherry-picked songs that have meant a lot to me now i'm kind of working more in the, the present where it's like stuff that is now not all of it's recent but to mm. me for some reason i've come across it recently and there's a reason that i've just kind of like gone wow this is unbelievable so mm-hmm. okay very cool uh so the first one is the flaming lips yes mother please don't be sad yes and i did a uh it's called a, a show called My Tunes on Hunters Bay Radio last week and featured this song, um, which has been my uh, 
listened to the most this summer, this particular song, Mother Please mm. Don't Be Sad. I, I, it just has this, I'm really big on songs that are, uh, have a bit of an edge, but also tug at the heartstrings. And this one's a complete heartstring tugger. And, uh, I just love that, that sort of piano pattern that starts it off. And Wayne Coyne's vo- vocals always, always pull up my heartstrings when, when he's writing from a melodic point of view. And this is probably, this is the Flaming Lips at their most melodic. They, they've, uh, they went through a period probably over the last, you know, six, eight years where they did a lot of really, sort of loopy psychedelic stuff that I was less interested in just because that's, you know, I mean, take nothing away from it, but it's just not the type of songwriting that, that I uh, sort of gravitate to. But this seems to be a real, this album's a real return to like the soft Bolton and stuff like that. And, mm. and uh, yeah, I love it. And it also has, it's, it tells the story of um, when Wayne Coyne was younger and he was, he was involved in a retail robbery where basically he was told to lie on the floor at gunpoint and, oh, wow. uh, this song is supposedly him imagining what might have happened if things had turned ugly. And oh. He's basically saying to his mom, "Don't be sad that I'm died. It was a, that I've died. It was, it was an accident." Wow! And the first time I heard it and then got, understood what the what the story was about, um, when Los Lowe toured the states for the first time, we were in San Francisco, which was a cool night. We were playing a club with a band called the Cadillac Tramps from um, from OC mm-hmm. that um, probably held 200 people, and it was a good crowd. Like just down the street from us, the Tragically Hip were playing a club that held held 800 people. No way! And it was just one of these one of those nights where it's like, wow, like Canada's really like uh, the Canadian music scene. This is like probably '92 yeah. is really kind of making waves. Like it's That's it's, great. it's it's moving. But before the show, I met a guy who uh, was an expat from Toronto who had moved to San Francisco a few years ago, and he worked in a music store that was actually just down the street from the club as well. And he told me this whole story. Like, as soon as we started talking, he had this look on his face and, and that looked like something was really wrong. Mm. And he, like, like he looked shell-shocked. And he told me this story about how the night before the gig, the music store that he worked in had been robbed at gunpoint, three guys with semi-automatic weapons. And they tied him and his coworkers up and like sort of left him in a pile on the floor. And I was like, wow, like, this doesn't happen or this doesn't happen in Toronto. Like, and basically as they were tied up, these three guys emptied out as much musical equipment as they could. It's like, wow, that's, that's an, that's a big difference. And this was 19, like I said, 1992 or 93. What a huge, and you could see it in his face. He was a Canadian guy who was like, what happened? So it's just got, had a weird sort of, um, weirdly reminiscent of the, the uh, Wayne Coyne story. Wow. Maybe it's a lot more, more of an occurrence there than uh, than we know actually up here. In I, I I actually think it is. Yeah, which is horrible. It's yeah, yeah, but hard to conceive of. For I sure. couldn't imagine but that. He still happening. came to the show a night later. That's good. Yeah, good. Well, yeah. Yes, wow. uh, you know, and you know, I think he was uh, also also straddling that line of I like, do I want to go to the tragically hip or I want to see Lois Low, and he came to see us, so that was cool. Good for you. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. David Bromberg. Uh, Mr. Bojangles. So I literally heard this version. I, I, I have full confession that I don't don't know much about David Bromberg. As Jerry Jeff Walker died last week, I guess, and there's been a lot of uh, tributes posted about him. A great sort of Americana songwriter and wrote Mr. Bojangles. That was sort of his, his main claim to fame was having written Mr. Bojangles, which I'm not a scientist here, but I think uh, if you did some analytics, you'd probably find that to be one of the most covered songs in the history of music. Oh, yeah. So I first heard that song. I think the second single I bought was a double A side by Sammy Davis Jr., 45. No that was The Candy Man 
and Mr. Bojangles. Oh, wow. And listened, listened to that, both sides of that, till it was worn out. Yeah. Um, my first single I bought was Eric Clapton's I Shot the Sheriff. And I am not an Eric Clapton fan. I don't so how that was my first uh, first single. I don't oh, know. Me, me either. That's funny. I don't know why, but that was the first one I bought. I, no, I was a huge fan of that song. I shot the sheriff. So it's a reggae tune. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's a Bob Marley song. Music, you know, falls into your lap in the strangest of ways. So the first yeah. time I heard that song was by Eric Clapton, and this Mr. Bojangles is a, is a perfect example of that. So the first time I heard it was Sammy Davis Jr. doing this unbelievably, although. I listened to it again a couple of days ago, and it is quite a, it has quite an acoustic vibe to it, but I remembered it being, you know, this very sort of soulful, he's got a very bombastic voice when, when the chorus has come around, he kind of lets it soar. And then the next version I heard quite a few years later was um, Nina Simone, oh. who her, does a v- version with her voice and a piano, and it's probably the most sad and beautiful thing you've ever heard in your life. Like, it's just, and I, I think she's one of the 10 greatest voices in the history of popular music um but that version is amazing so flash forward to years later and finding out that neither of them wrote that song which yeah. wasn't maybe a, that's probably not a big surprise but written by this songwriter named jerry jeff walker mm-hmm. his version's nice and then like you know his version's kind of like um you know like leonard cohen doing hallelujah it's like it's a nice version but then people um people like jeff buckley came along and made it a signature song you know, as a cover yeah. So Jerry Jeff Walker releases this, I think, 68. I'm not totally sure if I have the year right. Mm-hmm. But somebody else, because he's he's part of uh, some sort of song songwriting conglomerate, releases a version on piano at the same time. Mm. So his uh, he doesn't get a hit out of it. It becomes kind of more marginalized. And he has a long storied career. Um, our guy today, uh, David, uh, was his guitar player for a few years. Oh. So this version of the song is David's version. It's a live album. Again, I think it came, came out in the late 60s. And it's unbelievable. It's so good. Just him and an acoustic guitar. He's known for sort of, he's one of those guys that's known for playing lead and rhythm at the same time. So oh. you get to the uh, the break in the middle of the song, you'll be blown away. But he also, in the middle of the song, tells the story of the song. And it's completely a true story. Really? Of Jerry Jeff Walker spending three nights in the drunk tank and meeting this guy named Mr. Bojangles, who was a guy who worked the clubs for tips and drinks by no doing interpretive dance. I don't know. What else can you say? Like, it's, I it's incredible. I mean, and the song has worked so well for so many different types of artists. Like, a great song is a great song. I, 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 lo- I didn't know that at all. I didn't know that Mr. Bojangles was actually a real person. I thought it was a fictional thing. And I, my introduction to that song was through the folk door. And who was that who did that? Who did the folk version of Mr. Bojangles? Oh, I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm sure, I think this song's been covered so many times, it's like probably close to like uh, yesterday by the Beatles. It, it could have been, it's like a Jim Croce kind of Harry Chapin, and it could have been one of those two I could dudes. see Harry Chapin doing it for sure. Yeah. yeah, but that that was the, and I, it's funny because I couldn't, you know, knowing Sammy Davis Jr. as 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 you do, I mean, he was kind of the rat pack, you know, maybe a little bit of Vegas schmaltz in there. It, it's kind of a weird combination, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I think, I think when it, when it comes right down to it, a great song can transcend any style, right? No and question. like that. I mean, if you listen to even those four versions: Jerry Jeff Walker's version, Sammy Davis's version, uh, Nina Simone's version, and then David Davis's version, yeah. it's quite incredible how different it feels, and but how how much the same it feels at the same time. How they're all able to draw 
this incredible emotion out of it because I think it's such a such a heartstring chord progression that it's that it's all all lives on. But the reason I um I heard this version at all is because uh, Scott McCoy, who um, is from the Baseball Project, from uh, the Minus Five, uh, 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 Young Fresh Fellows, he later on a second guitar player in REM for a long time. Mm-hmm. So um, I've met him once, just by chance. My uh, my old friend who passed away a year ago, a guy named Dave Bookman, who was a Toronto radio luminary. Um, I got a call on a Sunday night one time, probably late '90s, saying can you bring all your guitars down to the horseshoe? And I was like, what do you mean? Mm. He said, well, Peter Buck's in town with Scott McCoy, and they, they couldn't get their uh, instruments across the border. Wow. So I said, I'll be there in 25 minutes. So okay. came down to the horseshoe with, I think I brought my Telly, my uh, Les Paul, I have a, a Hummingbird Gibson Acoustic, and my Gretsch, and then got to watch a show while those two guys no played way. my guitars, which was so Peter Buck, was so that's exciting. awesome. Yeah, which wow. was so, so exciting. That's pretty cool. Um, but as 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 you know, as I said, Dave passed away a year ago, and he died from an aneurysm. Mm-hmm. Um, just leading up to the point where this happened, uh, Scott McCoy had a very similar thing. He had aneurysm, and, and Peter Buck was allowed to sort of be by his side all the time in the hospital, and we talked about this every day. And then this happened to Dave, and uh, unfortunately, the hospital wouldn't let us come in. Mm. And that was kind of it's kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. So I pay close attention to Scott because he's completely healthy again. He's back on the road. He's writing songs. He's touring. And so he posted this about David Bromberg last week, and that kind of led to this whole long diatribe. Uh-huh. Um, so I thought maybe if we're going to do a song, I would play this song now, which is not Mr. Bojangles. It's a song called The Owl, and... Um, it's kind of about the power of uh, information that exists inside any given person's record collection. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a tribute to my, my friend Dave because it's a story about uh, after he passed away, I, I won't say we, I, I, I helped in a minimal way, but there was a, uh, he had a 600-piece record collection that was sold um, at Rotate This for mm-hmm. charity. And I went down the day it was happening and it was, it was unbelievable to see the frenzy of people trying to get a little piece of him. And so that's kind of what the song's about. And just sort of knowing that everything that everything you needed to know about Dave was in that record collection somewhere, which is pretty cool. That's fantastic. So it's called The Owl. I love the song. Please go ahead. Thank you. Now appeared. Day after you were gone Up by the bridge on Woodbine Avenue Hanging on a branch Could hardly support its own weight A flock of minor birds singing Hey When you're gonna go away As I carried on Soul eyes followed my steps And I couldn't catch my own breath And that damn little voice in my head 
Saying, did this have to be that day? And it spoke to me as it jammed my reception. Say, there ain't gonna be no resurrection. And it carried on with just a hint of inflection. Singing everything worth knowing is sitting in your record collection. Everything worth knowing is sitting in your record collection. And the major key It's a minor affliction of the heart So tell me how did this start When you transplanted all of those things And you taught a city how to sing Saying we gotta change everything And we're gonna change everything And we're gonna love everything And it spoke to me As it jammed my reception Say there ain't gonna be no resurrection And it carried on With just a hint of inflection Singing everything worth knowing Is sitting in your record collection Everything worth knowing Is sitting in your record collection At least they know your story As you cast lots The smile and the grade, yeah And in a blaze of glory They spoke of you for forty nights And forty days, yeah I don't know how to answer when you ask how was your day and sadness like a cancer it spread so far but let the music play and everything worth knowing is sitting in your record collection everything worth knowing is sitting in your record collection Everything worth knowing is sitting in your record collection. Everything worth knowing is sitting in your record collection. Whew. <laughs> wow. That's the, I'm going to tell you something. That might be your finest work. Oh, thank you. Um, that's really nice of you. Jesus. And uh, do you, I don't know, do you, do you know the story about how that song came about? No. Though? I don't. 
So there's a, uh, a project that has been going on for several years called the Acoustic Guitar Project. And it's worldwide and basically has branches in Ontario, branches like in Sweden, and all started by one guy who I don't know, but um, a woman named Roseanne uh, uh, Thornley Baker runs it out of, out of Ontario. And once a year, she'll, she gathers, I think, six or seven songwriters and you each get a week with this particular acoustic oh, guitar. right. And so you pick it up on a Saturday, you get a guitar and a little recording device. And by the following Saturday, you have to have written and recorded a single song. So I love those kind of challenges. And I also am most um, non-deadline oriented person on the planet. So having a deadline to, uh, to write from was wonderful. So... I picked up the guitar and right away I kind of recognized that it was very much unlike anything I'd ever played mm -hmm. before and I loved that. It was really loose and stringy and kind of right away said to me, I got to try doing something that that's, uh, uses finger yeah. picking. So I kind of played the guitar all week, didn't do much of, in any kind of writing until Thursday night and then Thursday night I sat down. I had this idea about um, the record collection mm -hmm. angle. Thursday night I sat down, wrote the song, recorded it Friday, and, and and that's very unusual for me. I usually kind of take a long time just to like write that. songs. But, but it just kind of came, it all came out at my dining room table on Thursday evening of whatever week that was. And uh, That's astounding to me. Yeah. It's funny because like by Thursday, if I, as I talk about it now, I would, I think I should have been feeling a ton of mm. pressure. I was feeling no pressure. It was just like, I knew something was going to happen because it was just so much. It was so much fun playing that guitar. And wow, that is a special yes. thing. Man. I remember you telling me about that. We we were actually texting back and forth, and you had told me about that. But I didn't know the yeah. owl. I I had heard you play that song, and you know we've talked about this. I I love that song, but uh, I thought that that was a different song. No, yeah, same same thing. And the owl also a true story. I, the the day after Dave uh, passed away, which was. I mean, it was sudden and it wasn't sudden. It took a, it was a long time that he was in the hospital, but I still wasn't ready and expecting it. But I went for a walk with my older daughter and we were walking up Woodbine Avenue and I looked up into the tree because there was all this noise that you wouldn't normally hear on Woodbine because it's mostly cars and trains right underneath the train, uh, train bridge that goes, um, well, just below mm -hmm. Danforth. And there was this massive owl sitting up on a tree and like the lyrics, like wrote themselves because it was sitting on a branch and the branch was kind of going whoa like wavering down because the owl was so big it couldn't hold it and then there was this whole it was surrounded by all these birds that were screaming at it like in its direction i think basically saying get out of right. our get out of our territory but this thing, and it looked it looked down on me and it was probably you know six feet above my head and it kind of scared the crap out of me <laughs> <laughs> so anyways Oh, fantastic. And that, you know, I, that's going to be on the new record. Yes. Well, that's a fun one because I think, I think, you know, we haven't done anything before that's very minimalist. And I think this one will be quite minimal. Although I do have thoughts about adding a lot of vocals to it, a lot of sort of like, you know, almost like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young type harmonies on some of the parts. So I had this conversation yesterday. You know, a song like that, layers often happen when, when people try to kind of make something of, you know, nothing, right? But a song like that, I don't know if I would necessarily do that. It's just such a great song. Yeah, it could just, it, you, you might be right. It could just be, you know, acoustic guitar, one voice and a cello or something like that, just to add a little bit yeah. of mood. You know, 
who knows? Like, I mean, that the part of the fun of recording an album is you go in and try different things. I think, you know, I, I mentioned that um, I'm already sort of thinking about when, what might come next. And one of the things I want to do, because I've been, I've been doing, uh, since the pandemic started, I've been doing a lot of live streaming from my backyard and have reinterpreted a lot of songs from my back catalog for just voice and acoustic guitar. So I want to do an album of some re-records yes. of some songs that, uh, you know, like a my song under the miter bird which is on jimmy and the moon and it's kind of a full full-fledged band opus i have a really nice version of it just for single guitar and that's all also finger yeah. picking so i want to do something like that just to sort of throw i mean we're living in a world that uh you know is want you to keep churning mm-hmm. it out and i think there's a a good reason from from my point of view from a creative point of view to do something like that right after i finish this next there's album. no question no i i look forward to that too that's great Song number three on your list. Yes. Drive-by Truckers, Thoughts and Prayers. Yes. So this uh, album, The Unraveling, came out. I remember wa- walking down the street day after day, listening to it constantly, probably you know just before we were up in uh, Muskoka mm. doing that tour just before the pandemic yet. So they've since put out a second album. This album, this band is, a quite, is quite prolific, but that album, The Unraveling, just knocked me over. There's something about knowing where a band's geography is there and they're from from uh, athens georgia so they're from mm-hmm. the south from the deep south and uh they wear their hearts on their sleeves and this song thoughts and prayers is a complete indictment of the gun lobby basically mm-hmm. you know anytime there's a mass shooting everybody falls over themselves to uh post thoughts and prayers thoughts and prayers you have my thoughts and prayers but you have nothing else and this song talks about nothing but that, about how, you know, little kids are being gunned down and all all we have to offer them back is thoughts and prayers. All we have to offer the families back is thoughts mm-hmm. and prayers. And uh, there's some just unbelievably good good lines in it about uh, what's going to happen when these kids grow up and are actually adults that can be a part of the decision-making process and how there's going to be a huge comeuppance. And then payoff line at the end of the song is... Uh, stick it up your ass with your useless thoughts and prayers, which is like, holy cow. Like when I, the first time I heard this, I just, I just rounded the corner onto Danforth and I was walking and I stopped and stood in the park, park and listened to this song because it's just, wow, I just love when, you know, it's funny because like Jason Isbell was an original member of, um, of Drive By Truckers, no longer is, but he's somebody who, you know, wears his heart on his sleeve as a writer, also wears his heart on his sleeve online and is constantly met with that. Hey, man, just sing your songs. Don't we don't want to hear your view on politics. It's like, OK, so so because you're a musician, your v- views on the rest of the world aren't aren't uh, yeah. applicable to me. It's the exact opposite. I mean, those two things go hand yeah. in hand. And if you, if they don't for you, I'm probably not interested in you as an artist. So when a band that. It's geographically in a place where an opinion like this would be met with a lot of flack. Says it so plainly and so simply and directly just blows yes. me away. So they're a beautiful group yeah. of people. The weather station is nice. Yeah. Robber. Yeah, so just only because um, the last record that uh, Tamara did, I don't know Tamara, but um, I think she's just a fantastic songwriter and and the wherewithal in her in her lyrics and the mu- the music the last record which was a self-titled one that has the song 30 on it mm. was one of my favorites um from a couple of years ago so again didn't know this i don't follow that closely that i knew something new was coming but when something new comes along from a band who who's done something previously that kind of blew you away and then 
the next thing blows you away even more. It's like, I just love that progression where you can, you can hear all the things that made you like the band the first time around. And, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of a fair weather fan. I didn't know her uh, work before that. I've kind of dug into it since, since that record. But, um, this song just came out as a single a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. and it's fantastic. Yeah. Two drummers. And, uh, she also directed a really, really cool video to accompany it that, uh, you know, is, is one of those ones that the video's so good that it reminded me of those days of when much music was, was only showing videos. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, you're of that vintage too. So yeah. you remember, you know, you would sit and watch whoever. Can I think of an example of something that, you know, everything from like Van Halen to, uh, uh huh. Like XTC, like Dear Gob XTC, where you oh, would watch yeah. that video. 40 times and not think anything of it yeah. because they were there was so much in the video and the songs were so good i find video in general right now is a little more of a throwaway mm. a little i mean less budget less i think just less sort of forethought into how it's put together but this one for robert is like totally worth watching it's so good mm. it's so good and you know and and again great on her she writes the song she sings the song and she writes and directs the video like holy cow like yeah what can she do Wow, dear God, XTC. Yeah. Jeez. No, but you remember those days when, oh, you would, when you wouldn't think twice to watch it. In fact, you would probably hope that it would come on again, like just so you could see it again. It's funny because you kind of, you hit a nerve with that one because I would wait for that one to come on. Yeah. Because I can see the video in my head right now same. actually playing back. I could probably give you a shot by shot yeah, account of it. in the tree, like, <laughs> you know. When the camera goes up. That's and, right. Yeah. Oh. It's awesome. Wow. Uh, last tune, Daniel Romano, Gone is All But a Quarry of Stone. Yeah, great a great song from his record Mosey, and I think Mosey is the record of his that I know the most. I think I only wanted to make the comment that this man seems to be uh, some sort of superhuman. He's put out nine records since the pandemic started, and I think his plan was to put out two records and then do a bunch of touring. But because nobody's touring, he's just kind of pumping out more and more music. And each one, I haven't listened to all of them. I've uh, listened to probably three or four of them so far. Each of them has its own style. Mosey has a real sort of definitive style and, and um, that song, uh, Gone is All But a Quarter with Stone, that was the first song that I sort of heard that mm -hmm. thought, whoa, this this is good. Also with a really good video, by the way. And a video that I only think I saw on YouTube. It wasn't, I didn't, don't think it got a lot of play otherwise, but mm. I've written a little bit during the pandemic. I haven't written nine albums. <laughs> 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 I maybe have an album and a half now. Nine records. That's almost, well, that's more than one a month, really, isn't it? Songs or albums? Oh, yeah. Albums, albums. yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I think of some, some of it's archival, but still, like, it's just... Still. There was a guy, what was that guy's name, Guided by Voices? Oh, Robert Pollard. Yeah. He did same the same deal. thing, didn't he? Yeah. He'd write a song in, like, 10 minutes. Bang. You write shorter songs, though. Those, the, the sort of seminal Guided by Voices albums that I know, like, the songs are, like, 35 seconds long, and it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. you just get the hook, and then you're out. Oh, totally. Yeah, well, he was like the microwave songwriter. Yeah. It was just like, here's the, here's the hook right here, and then bang, I'm off. Like, it's done. You don't have to wait around yeah. for it. He also used to drink like a case of beer on stage. Did you ever see him live? I've seen Guy to My Voices twice, and yes, you're right. They... He was a freak of nature. So what he would do, he, he would bring an actual case of beer on stage, and he would just open a beer, and it would fly all over the place. He would pour most of it into his mouth and then throw the bottle or the can or whatever it was, throw some into the crowd. And by the end of the show, he had consumed 24 beers. 
in the early 90s, we toured with a U.S. band called uh, the, the Dirt Farmers, um, yeah. who had a drummer named uh, Country Dick Montana, who was probably one of the nicest and most gregarious people I've ever met in the music business. And he sat behind the kit and sang. And by the time I met them, they were all completely sober. But yeah. they had developed this thing early in their career where the crowd would throw beer at them, like not bottles, but liquid. So they yeah. would all leave the stage drenched in beer. And he told me once when we were at a after party of a show in Winnipeg, I think, and he said, you don't know how many times we've been arrested uh, driving away from a show because we get pulled over and all they can smell yeah. is beer. And we're like, none of us have had a drop. But we're soaked <laughs> in beer. Of course, yeah. Anyways, there's, there's, he literally died of a heart attack on stage playing oh, the drums. Oh, wow. Well, if you're going to go. If you're going to go. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I mean, that, it was, seemed like it was, it happened far too soon, but I know that would have uh, been where he'd want to go if he, want, if he was going. Yeah. Jeez. That is your song list, my That's friend. My five uh, skin vibrators for, for this time. There you go. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? It, it, absolutely. <laughs> we can say anything we want. It's been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. And I'm glad that you wrapped up this series. Oh, nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of the series at all. And, and what an honor to be, have done five times. Has anybody else done five? I don't believe so. I'm thinking in my head right now, Rick Emmett's close. Uh, Rob Pruce is close. Probably missing one well, or you two. You probably but need I to don't. give them a call and say, what's going on? Like, <laughs> You need a t-shirt? <laughs> There is an in incentive now, too, right? So That's right. <laughs> See, it's a tiered plan. <laughs> Smart, right? Yeah. Thanks, Brent. This has been fun. I, I think I maybe monopolized the conversation too much, but it's... Uh... It, the guest is the star. Yeah. No, I'm glad, I'm glad that you're here. And this wraps up the No Sleep Till Subbury Steam Whistle on Location series. I've had an incredible time here. I'm so grateful to Steam Whistle for doing this, especially because of COVID. And I, I got to thank everybody at the Roundhouse for making this happen. Lisa Talfer, Samantha Nadalin, who was fantastic. Both days I was here, couldn't have been better. Thank you so much. Tanya Mora, Greg Taylor, I want to thank all my amazing guests. Tim McLaughlin, The Spoon, Sandra Boza, Jordan Paul did not make it. I regret that. We'll get him back in at another date. Susie Corian, of course, weighing in at about six cases of steam whistle, Mr. Stephen Stanley. The heavyweight champion of the world. So what do you say we go and enjoy one of those beers right now? I would love to. All right. This has been No Sleep Till Sudbury with Brent Jensen and my very special guest, Mr. Stephen Stanley. Thank you, Brent. Take good care, everybody. Brent Jensen is the best-selling author of No Sleep Till Sudbury, Leftover People, and All My Favorite People Are Broken. All titles available in stores and on Amazon Worldwide. 